Welcome to Fashion Your Seatbelt, your first class seat to one-on-one conversations with the fashion industry's top voices. I'm Jessica Michaud, and I created this podcast to share the joy I have in getting to know all the amazing people who bring this creative, inventive, and extraordinary business to life. You'll get to hear the cadence of their voices, the sound of their laughter, and feel firsthand how passionate they are about what they do. But before we get this show on the road, I want to say a quick thank you to GPS Radar for making this episode possible. GPS Radar is the members-only website where leading fashion brands and media connect. Also, I just want to remind you to leave a review. Stars are really trending right now, and it helps other very stylish listeners like yourself find the show. Now buckle up, and let's get started. When I began to do research on Joey Zwillinger, the co-founder of the sustainable footwear brand Allbirds, it was hard not to notice the pull quote from Time Magazine on the company's website that called the brand's Merlot wool sneakers the world's most comfortable shoe, or the one from Refinery29 that said, we won't blame you if you never wear any other shoes ever again. Clearly the brand that Zwillinger, a biotech engineer created with Tim Brown, a former football player from New Zealand, has its fans, including the likes of Leonardo DiCaprio, who invested early in the company, which raised $2.7 million in seed funding before it officially launched in 2016. Since then, Allbirds has become a shining example of sustainable style at its best. The breathable temperature regulating wool used to make the company's signature sneakers uses 60% less energy than a typical sneaker. But the brand doesn't stop there. It turned to recycled plastic bottles to craft the shoe's laces, and it came up with a brand new material the company calls Sweet Foam that is an eco-friendly alternative to the traditional petroleum-based shoe sole made up from sugarcane offshoots. It's a revolutionary material that the company has open-sourced the technology behind so that other brands can also take advantage of the carbon-negative material. Oh, and even the shoe boxes that the Allbirds footwear comes in are also 90% made from recycled cardboard. Currently, the company, which reportedly is now a $1.4 billion business, is moving quickly to expand out from its original direct-to-consumer selling strategy. It already has 12 stores across the globe and intends to open another 20 in the next year. It has also expanded its inventory range, launching a weather-resistant collection called Mizzle that is also crafted from all-natural materials, and the cleverly named Soulmate Socks that are made from a new proprietary yarn that blends together the natural fibers of the brand's tree and merino materials. Without a doubt, the company is riding the crest of the current sustainable fashion wave, but after speaking with Zwillinger, there is no question that the building of a globally successful business isn't his primary goal. Helping to build a better world for the future is... All right, this is exciting. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. I really appreciate it. Lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, let me start with a really easy question, softball it for the beginning. Can you talk to me a little bit about the inception of the idea for this brand? Because God knows there are enough sneaker brands out there. Yeah. So what made you think you could m- make a difference? Part of it is naivety. We, uh, <laughs> both Tim and myself, come from totally different backgrounds outside of fashion and apparel. Tim was a professional athlete and had been sponsored by a number of the athletic companies. And really, the initial insight was just rooted in design and and that people had changed their behaviors and footwear, the industry at large, had not really kept up with some of the changes, maybe as quick as apparel have. And and I think that's driven off of just people being more casual now, using their mobile phones instead of just going to work and doing a nine-to-five and having one wardrobe for that, one wardrobe for their Mm -hmm. playtime. Everything is kind of melded, and I think that that requires differences in what you wear, and I think comfort's an 
element, I think style's an element. And so Tim kind of had that original insight and happened to be from New Zealand and was fiddling around with some wool, mm-hmm. as naturally Kiwis do. And, and around that time, I was also totally different industry, but I was in the environmental sciences working with biotechnology to create high performance and renewable chemicals that we would sell to consumer brands around the world. And I had a, a consistently frustrating experience doing that and found that while the technology was there and the consumers wanted it in my mind, the brands that were gating between the technology and consumers were stopping progress in terms of moving renewable materials towards consumers. And that was frustrating. And I thought when Tim and my wife, our wives introduced us and and suggested that maybe it might be good to connect our skills, Mm. that that was a pretty interesting opportunity. And we we agreed to start a business together. One, because we thought we'd be complementary partners in terms of coming from such unique and different backgrounds. And secondly, because this was a problem that was a generational problem and sustainability and climate change in particular was something that if we could be any what contributory to solving that problem and we could be leaders in that space and and show maybe a different way to do business, something that was where our values around fighting climate change and our business mindset were actually aligned and Mm -hmm. not in tension with, I think, is a paradigm that people tend to have in their minds. So we decided that this was a problem we would be, if we could solve, play a small role in solving, that we'd be proud to tell our grandkids about it. And that Mm -hmm. was worth our time. Absolutely. Well, I mean, can you talk to me then about how you are changing the conversation in relationship to what are you doing that's so different, that sets you apart, that is more sustainable, eco-friendly and and helping the environment? What are those things about your shoes that do that? It's the North Star for our company. Mm. And so when, when Allbirds sets out to make products, it's an absolute non-negotiable that the materials are low carbon intensity and have been thoughtful around every element of the supply chain from the inception of our supply chain at the farms mm-hmm. all the way through to the end consumer. And so, you know, we've taken the approach that the antidote to fast fashion is slow fashion. Absolutely. And, and I think we're probably more in that camp. And we are, until something meets our threshold, we don't launch a product. Mm-hmm. And we have to have it certified from farm to foot or from farm to wherever it's going on your body. Yeah. And for us, it's about objectively measuring the impact, minimizing the intent of carbon pollution Mm -hmm. from every component that we source and every process that we use to deliver product to customers and and to manufacture our product. And in the meantime, we also offset everything. So we're 100% carbon neutral. There's some some fun stories that have happened along the way, which I think are great examples of this that I'm happy to go into. Yeah, tell me a fun story. We love fun stories. What's a great fun story? What's one you're particularly proud of? Yeah, so one is um, we came up with a product called Sweet Foam. Mm-hmm. And, and sweet foam is, it's the foam material which goes underneath your foot on our shoes. Mm-hmm. When we started the company, we knew we had a significant deficiency in our sustainability story because we, we didn't have a non-petro-based solution for the bottom of shoes. Mm-hmm. So given my background in material science and some work I'd done in Brazil, I knew that there was a company we could collaborate with called Braschem, who, if we were successful in convincing them to invest many millions of dollars, <laughs> we, could, we could help transform the entire industry, not just our product. And so Mm. we went down and we mocked up a Wall Street Journal article for them to show them what the future could hold. That was our, our business development technique. Very nice. And we went down and we showed them that if we worked together, we could create a green version of this foam mm-hmm. for the bottom of the, of the shoes. 
and that we were open from the outset to share it with the entire industry. And so they could get a lot of volume, we could drive the price down over time, um, and it was gonna be a net positive for the world. And once we got through the whole process and studied the carbon impact, we actually found that it was carbon negative, substantially carbon negative. So meaning it actually sucks more carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere than it takes to create the material, which is pretty exciting. And and the fact that we then open sourced it, and now there's over a hundred companies that are in development with this material, Mm -hmm. it is making a big impact. And it's now crossed and injected across all of our shoes, and hopefully you'll see it in a lot of other products as well and it's a great example of where we can make a more comfortable product Mm -hmm. as a result of using something that is more sustainable Mm -hmm. and that we can have a collaborative element that helps actually solve the problem across companies which are typically quite competitive and Mm -hmm. secretive in a way that works for everyone and Mm -hmm. and works for our supplier and and works for the world so I think it's a really cool story that we're really proud of I think it really completes the picture from our sustainability perspective on our products and Mm -hmm. that said we still have lots of work to do and we always will Mm -hmm. but that's a good example. Well, then let's talk about how I love this idea that you're you're sharing your knowledge to help benefit the world in general. Let's talk a little bit about what are the hurdles that your brand has faced kind of getting out there into the world, getting noticed. I mean, when you talk about a, a wool sneaker, people kind of go, Ugh, you know, right away that that connotation of the, the wool. I mean, what is the, for you, what are the difficulties that you were facing? And maybe at the beginning and then maybe also today. And now yeah, well, it's the, a good the, observation. Now. I think most, uh, I think a lot of our success and also a lot of our challenges are from that the tensions that you're outlining. You know, typically we make something that a lot of publications have called extraordinarily comfortable. Mm -hmm. I've seen those publications, yeah. Including Time Magazine on the opening day of our company called Mm -hmm. The Most Comfortable Shoe in the World, which is nice, but there's also a conversation around comfort that Mm -hmm. that is comfort equals ugly. Yeah, very true. And I think think sustainability also has a tension where you think you're sacrificing on quality or you're paying more or style or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. And so I think that that those tensions are actually where it becomes interesting because we actually believe those paradigms don't need to exist and that mm-hmm. playing in that area where the tension strikes where you can make something that is beautiful in design and and we've taken a very austere and minimalist design mm-hmm. approach and we've coupled that with a focus on comfort that is lasting you for many 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 days and mm-hmm. months etc and we have the non-negotiable that all of that has to be enabled by renewable materials mm-hmm. and so that all those tensions in people's minds we need to it both creates kind of something that's intriguing but also we have to fight through existing paradigms in people's minds and I think that has been where a lot of our success has actually come from the challenges of our business come from there too and in introducing materials that have never been used in, in, in an industry that we're making and fighting through a lot of inertia mm-hmm. of how the, the industry has evolved to move fast and cheap mm-hmm. that is what the every supply chain in apparel and footwear is built on fast and cheap but that being said your shoes and, and maybe I've been in the fashion industry too long now you know I was looking at some $95 mm-hmm. pair of relatively inexpensive for like a sneaker in my opinion yeah I mean particularly if you consider that you know our merino wool is typically used in five thousand dollars exactly material. so the reason we've been able to do that is because the entire footwear industry is built on the US wholesale value chain mm-hmm. and so if you make a product for 50 bucks you sell it for 250 bucks and it's that 5x markup is a pretty typical rule and the reason because for that is that the retailer takes 50 to 53% of the retail selling price as their exactly. as their rent in the value chain. And we have avoided any wholesale distribution. Right. So in going direct to consumer, we we don't we aren't more profitable than those companies, but we trade that amount of money that's typically reserved for the stores and the wholesale partners and we put that into the materials. And so our product costs are much higher in terms of the ratio to customers end up getting and, and that value I think is why people feel a difference in our product and love it. 
Okay. And so that that's um, I think that's that trade off is super important to us, and and I think makes us interesting well into the future. And if we maintain that approach, which we expect to do. We invest in R&D. We make amazing materials as a result of that. They're always going to be more expensive than what we could get off the shelf. Mm -hmm. But we put that and we give that value at a a very accessible price for customers. Mm -hmm. And that enables us to get sustainability and and fantastic products out to a very large audience. And that's that's our ambition, given mm -hmm. that we, you know, every shoe that we think someone buys is a net positive for the world and also happens to be good for our business. I mean, you've had a lot of great press, like you said, CNN, there's CNN and Time and Refinery29, so great press in the right places. But we're seeing with, especially if it's direct-to-consumer, that there is that middle person of um, quote-unquote influencers or things like that, that millennials and Gen Zs really like to have that peer-to-peer connection. Mm. Are you, is your brand at all thinking about that kind of an aspect of how are you promoting your company other than these great publications that you're getting at? Are you trying to connect directly with this consumer via maybe the people that they admire within the online space or yeah you know fortunately we've been very lucky to have great organic group of people on social media that have taken to the brand Mm -hmm. and some of them happen to be very influential kind of in the entertainment business and Mm -hmm. whatnot we've had all walks of life from like Barack Obama to Leonardo DiCaprio to Emma Watson. That'll um, help. Kunis, they all, it, it totally helps. And I think the reason is they love the product, they found it themselves, and, and then they align with the values of the company. Mm-hmm. And they're happy to talk about a brand that aligns with their values. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, they, the key for us is they have to like the product for the performance of the product. Right. Pure and simple, design, comfort, whatever it is they're, they're looking for. It's got to be great for that. Mm-hmm. And it has to work for their aesthetic. But they need to align with the values, and unfortunately, we've been we've been so methodical and intentional and slow, and you know, about expressing what our values are and not veering from them even one degree. That that allows them to have comfort that they can align with a brand like ours. So I think that's helped, and I think you know the next chapter for us is. We're, we're building a lot of physical brick and mortar now. Yeah, that was my next question for you. So it's all been online and direct to consumer. So why brick and mortar? Why are you flipping this? So scripts? still direct to consumer, just our own stores, physical instead of digital and, and uh, digital only, I should say. And we just believe that community is developed, not just digitally. Like you got to have in-person contact. Mm-hmm. It's also a fantastic way to experience our product. And because we're such a materials focused company, the tactile nature of what we offer is important just to experience in the flesh. Mm-hmm. Our staff are fantastic. Fantastic! We have 500 people across the world now that are. So, how many stores do you have? Do you? We'll have 15 by the end of 2019. Okay, where okay. where do you want to do your grand opening? What's your in in Europe? Well, in general, like what do you want to? Have, is it your home base in California? Yeah, you want to have biggest, one. <laughs> our biggest store is in San Francisco. Okay, and, and New York is a, is a big one for us. Mm-hmm. And U.S. Is, is is still our biggest market, but yeah. we do have seven in the U.S. and We have eight outside the U.S. Okay. And so we want to be a global company quickly, so that you know what we found is that there's been a, a ton of copycats really quickly. Huh. And, and and the copycats tend to steal design, but don't steal the ethos of the company and the mm-hmm. sustainability practices. So we want to get out and plant a flag uh, around the world quickly so that people, when another company copies us without our sustainability creds, mm-hmm. they are not credited as the inventor of, of, of the materials in the category that we're making. So mm-hmm. it's important to us to kind of seize that opportunity, even though it's it's more complex, it's distracting for the company, and we think it's important in the long run. Mm-hmm. And so, and we want to utilize 
utilize those stores not just to sell more effectively and have a, a, a beautiful showcase for the brand, but we also believe that, that connecting people with like-minded values and a community that's oriented around you know, making better things in a better way or whatever, whatever it is their, their mantra, mm-hmm. that's kind of our, our mission statement. But connecting people that align with our values and using our stores as a nice central place to and a vehicle to do that, that's the next chapter for us. And that's going to be really important for our continued success. Well, you kind of talked about then what your, what your biggest kind of hurdle that you're dealing with right now is. But are we going to, are you staying in the shoe sphere? Do you want to expand out into different kind of styles or do you want to expand out into different fields? Or is it really all shoes all the time and this is our focus? No, no, never been the idea to be just shoes. You know, we, we started out in... In March of 2016 with one style, the Wool Runner. We mm-hmm. sold that exclusively for 13 months. And then we moved on to a second style. And we only introduced our second material, which is our eucalyptus fiber, the mm-hmm. tree line of products, in two years into the company. Mm. And by then we'd, we'd sold a million pairs of our, of our wool line. While it may look slow, Mm-hmm. to the outside observer and particularly for audiences that are used to fashion companies that roll out seasonal offerings and then discount the last season and move on that's just not our style it's mm-hmm. not our approach and so while it looks slow to the outside we have always had a, a long-term vision that we are about R&D that delights customers so we mm-hmm. make amazing new materials that feels different feels great mm-hmm. and that is not limited to shoes certainly not limited to wool mm-hmm. so we started with wool moved to tree we added sweet foam as a, as a nice new material yeah. um, we just recently introduced Trina, which What's is this? a mashup of tree and Marina. Uh, <laughs> and we, and we, the first form that we've, we put that into the world is in socks. Okay. And so if you can, if you can imagine the soft, uh, luxurious feel of, of our tree material with our soft and cozy merino that's typically used, as I said, in Tom Ford and Armani suits, mm-hmm. and couple those things together, you get all the beautiful properties of super fine merino wool with that soft luxe feel, mm-hmm. and it's it's um, it complements our shoes really well. And I think that that trino is really just a, a window into the future for us. Okay. It's, it's not an end. It's really just the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I think it should show how we how we are thinking about the methodical rollout. It's not a head-to-toe look immediately every time with a new season and, a, and, mm-hmm. and chasing trends. It's really more about fundamental material building blocks that can do something special for people. How are you feeling? I mean, we both were at the BOF 500 last night. We, um, You're clearly, it's sustainability is all a buzzword within fashion in the last six months. Are you, as somebody who's been in it longer and seen the pushback when you were at your original company, are you seeing a shift in general in the conversations that you're seeing with, with people yeah. in the fashion industry? I mean, what are you, are you, are you hopeful? Or what are you I'm thinking? super optimistic. I mean, I think it, this time is different. Consumers want it, and they're demanding companies to do more than just make money. They want them to understand their impact on the planet and to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And and that's exciting. I think in the period of time that we're in, it's 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 a dangerous one because there's a few companies making real progress, and there's a lot of companies that are understanding that consumers want it and are are using marketing to try to appease that demand, mm-hmm. but that are not authentically building building products and building their company and reorienting their company. Mm-hmm. Most of them have been around for a really long time. It's, it's hard to, to, to kind of turn the Titanic exactly. uh, as we found before. And, and that is, um, I think it's a, it's a dangerous time. And, and I, hopefully journalists, consumers are vigilant about this, this time and that, you know, I'd love to be a, a, at least a small part of the voice and the voices that are as all birds to talk about what we think the right way to do things would be in the future mm-hmm. and how we can actually solve this problem. So it is dangerous, although I do remain optimistic. And, and if you if you think about kind of a, a bit of a wonky way to look at it, but if you look at the history of oil prices, mm-hmm. every time oil spikes, there's like a big green buzz and then oil goes down in price and, and all of a sudden people are like, all right, whatever, I'll just fill up my gas again. And this time's different. 
Like there's no there's no big oil thing. People understand we're in a crisis, and yeah. the, the the consequences of inaction are catastrophic. And so this is this is the moment, and mm-hmm. and I think people understand that. And the people who don't change, the companies who don't that don't change, are going to lose. Mm-hmm. And, and the leaders who who seize on this and do it authentically, mm-hmm. consumers are really smart. Journalists are really smart. In yeah. the end, everything gets figured out. Mm-hmm. Information is super efficient these days. And the companies who do it well and authentically, I believe strongly, are going to be rewarded financially and I think that's a great thing okay so you talked about collaborations you 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 worked with this other company to come up with the sweet foam are there organizations or brands that you see within the fashion industry you're like man if we could get together we could do some amazing things Mm. is there somebody out there that you're just like they're doing something that we think is amazing that we think that we could really do Uh, some boy you know I I would say I'll answer it differently Mm. Um, some of the things that we would love to do we're working on I would hate to spill the beans on that Um, (laughs) but you know I'll, I'll I'll take it in a different direction, which is to come into the fashion industry as outsiders and offer a product that we think is the right way to do business. We mm-hmm. had to seek inspiration from a lot of places, mm-hmm. and most are outside the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. I think from a design perspective, we take an approach that's much more like tech, hardware, or software. Like we, we love to look for Apple for inspiration on how to design a limited assortment of products mm. and consistently update them with improvements and just roll those out to consumers, not having to discount, but create this contract with your customer that you're always going to get the best and the brightest product we can offer you mm-hmm. and you're not going to get a discount in the next two weeks so that's going to make you feel bad mm-hmm. um, so we've taken that approach Tesla I think is a great example of a company that has innovative design that does not sacrifice performance at all for the environment they have great environmental creds in terms of climate change and their impact on that you know Patagonia obviously has done a lot in terms of how to make apparel and market apparel for sustainability and mm-hmm. take strong points of view and have conviction around those and be comfortable that that courage is going to be rewarded, at least in the way that company hopes it will. So a whole bunch of different inspirations that we've taken. Mm-hmm. We've tried to take the best of the companies that we look to emulate and mm-hmm. look at what they do best and kind of pull that into our business model. Mm-hmm. And it's hard, you know, we're, we're a brand that's trying to make incredible products, yeah. have strong conviction and, and clear marketing around what we stand for, mm-hmm. and also be a great retailer. Yeah. Um, so we. And this You're is asking a lot. <laughs> digital retailer, physical retailer. Yeah. And this is a global company and we're four years old. Mm-hmm. So it's a whole lot packed into a company. So we have to seek inspiration from the best in, very, in, in various industries to, to do a good job. I think if we looked at the fact that we didn't know much about fashion at all. Do you think that I was a good thing? Been, been, our, been the biggest blessing. <laughs> Okay. Well, maybe that's why you actually did this. I, and I was shocked when I read that, that you give people a 30-day wear and, and test it out. And if you don't like it, they you send it back. Is that Were you worried that, about that? Or you were completely confident that no one was going to ever return their shoes to you? I mean, what was the thinking behind that? Because that's a pretty bold statement. Yeah. I mean, look, we were, we were, you have to think about how we started. We were really confident that the product was fantastic. Mm. It lived up to the promise that we delivered. And we were also selling 100% of our product through one website. Okay. And, and we wanted to make sure that people felt comfortable in trying it and that we were a company that stood behind what we said about our product and that if you didn't like it send it send it back and mm-hmm. we had a channel that we and we continue to use this channel where if we get those lightly used shoes back we, we give it a second life and it, it's not it's not gone to waste and we use a, a non-profit partner mm-hmm. to help do that how but, big of a percentage do you actually get a I, I would imagine it's minimal it is minimal mm-hmm. it, it turns out that it's not it, it's not too bad and like obviously we have some people who have abused the policy and things like that <laughs> and we've been able to 
track that down. They're on your, your naughty the, list. The idea is, is, <laughs> is not to enable people to rent our shoes. Um, um, and we're, we're obviously really careful about that. But by and large, people are good and people understand why we offer that. It's to reduce the friction of purchase. And most people don't buy shoes online. Most people still buy shoes in stores. Stores, true. And so, and so we knew that this was a hurdle to get over. And so we wanted to make sure anything we could do to, to have people try it. Once they tried it, we knew they'd love it because it's mm-hmm. different that we wanted to make that make that happen. All right. One last very generic question for you then. The, you've been, the company's been around for four years. I'm going to ask you, in four years' time, where would you like to see your company? That's a good question. You know, I, I think we, we are now in 18 countries. We serve almost 1.75 billion people mm-hmm. through, our, through our websites and stores, meaning they have access to it. Not all of them have bought a pair of shoes. That would be a big company. Um, but, but we do free shipping, free returns in every one of those regions. I, I think we want to we make sure that we continue to expand a little bit, but I think we've planted flags in a lot of the areas that, that are going to be the most meaningful for the brand well into the future. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's about making sure people know about us. I want to okay. make sure that, that everyone understands that the way we're doing business is goes a long way towards helping solve the, the problem of climate change. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I hope that people know our brand and associate us with doing the right thing for that and associate us with phenomenal products that have no compromise uh, mm-hmm. in terms of how it's impact on the environment. And so what that looks like in terms of for our company, you know, because we are carbon neutral, because we have the what we think is one of the lowest, if not the lowest carbon intensity products on the market in our industry, when people buy our products, I think it's a net positive for the world versus buying from someone else. And so I hope we're big because the bigger we are, the better the planet is. And the bigger we are, uh, if that helps to grow our company and and we, we use that for the right outcome, mm-hmm. which is to, to continue to be a voice for making no compromise offerings for the world, then I, I, I feel good about, about that when I go to bed at night. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, and that's so, so yeah, we're quite ambitious. Well, I think I know what I'm going to buy every single member of my family for Christmas. So thank it you. It is a great gift. <laughs> great idea. The gift that keeps on giving. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. It's been a delight speaking with you. You too. Thank you. Don't want to miss an episode of Fashion Your Seatbelt? No problem. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and click on the subscribe button. Then every new episode will drop into your feed automatically. No fuss, no muss. Fashion Your Seatbelt is made possible thanks to the wonderful people at Launchmetrics, the software company that is powering the fashion industry, and GPS Radar, the members-only website where leading fashion brands and media connect in style. I am a member of GPS Radar, and I can tell you, as a journalist, it has made my work life run much more smoothly. Believe me, I know. I'm Jessica Michaud.